Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Kale Guthrie-Weissman, the Editor-in-Chief here at Modern Retail. This week, I'm really excited. We have Ryan Hamburger. He's the VP of Retail Partnerships at Instacart. And we're going to go into a lot of stuff, but a lot of it is looking at the year ahead, what's going to happen for grocers and online grocery. That's something that I'm always interested in because we're at the start of the year now, and it's always good to put our telescopes out and look towards the future. Ryan, thank you for joining me. How are you doing today? I'm good, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Anytime. First, I'm sure you get this all the time, but you have one of the most apropos last names for the grocery industry. Do you get that all the time? All the time. And it's funny you (laughs) raise it. You know, I know the spelling is a bit off, but I thought with the first name Kale... Last name hamburger. This is perfect for a grocery discussion. <laughs> well, well, that's what I was going to say is like, I always, you know, I, I am the son of hippies. And so Kale has always been the leafy green. And that's the story <laughs> with that. But it is spelled differently. Well, let's start with uh, since you are Ryan Hamburger and you do work at a grocery, you know, delivery platform. Talk to me about sort of how you got there. So how did you get with it, get started with Instacart? What's the story? Yeah, I appreciate it. So I'm a recovering consultant and I've been with Instacart now <laughs> uh, eight years. And when I found Instacart, you know, it kind of blew my mind. I had that first magical Instacart experience eight, nine years ago where, you know, middle of the winter here in Chicago, I wanted to get my groceries delivered. Everything that I ordered showed up as expected. And I just thought, wow, this is going to be transformative for the grocery industry. And I decided to take a flyer and apply. This was back, you know, when we were in about a dozen markets, I think maybe had about 100 employees. So certainly not a proven experience back then, but it it did hook me. What was your first job there? So my first job was essentially an account manager. I came in um, based out of Chicago to manage a lot of the Midwest partnerships that existed back then. Um, You can think everyone from the Tony's Fresh here in Chicago to the Marsh in Indianapolis. But back then we were with a lot more regional grocers. We hadn't really, um, outside of Whole Foods, we hadn't really broken into a lot of the the larger brands that we work with today. And so it was exciting to just be almost at the ground floor of helping not just build the relationships that we had, but look to the future and say, who do we wanna go uh, work with coming forward? Got it. And so let's talk to how that sort of scaled up because it sounds like what you did then is a smaller version of your mandate now. Is that correct, would you say? It is. You know, back in the early days, it was a team of five of us, right? Everything from go sign, go launch, go manage. We've obviously matured quite a bit as a company. And so we have different teams now that take care of all of that. But really back in 2015, if you asked grocery delivery, forget same day delivery, no one believed you needed your groceries delivered. And then you'd say, well, but we could do it within two hours. And most would just laugh because, well, okay, I don't need my groceries within two hours. And so, you know, those early days really pushed our entire team to think about how do we add value for our retail partners? How do we demonstrate that this isn't a fad and that this is something they need to invest in for the long term? Because every other retail category at that point had been penetrated decently well from an e-commerce standpoint. Grocery was really the lone standing category that hadn't spent a lot of time on the technology side. And and we were going to be that catalyst. How did you go about in 2015 convincing grocers that they should get online? Uh, And this is a question, and I'll, you know, I'm foreshadowing now, but I want to ask you this later on. But uh, one of the things in 2022 is, you know, grocery is a low margin business. How how are you thinking about margins as a a grocer now? But especially back then, how were they thinking about margins that and you were talking to them? It's it's a it's a fantastic question. You know, back in back in the early days, we spent a lot of time talking about Amazon. 
Um, because if you you know fast forward past 2015, right, 2017 when when Whole Foods was acquired by Amazon, we had been saying for years at that point that Amazon was coming. It's not hard to ship a can of soup or a box of cereal. And so what we were trying to work with our grocery partners on is how do you create a digital experience that allows their customers to shop all four corners, whether it's the center aisle or more importantly, the perimeter of the store, as I call it, which includes all of the fresh, whether that's the fruits and veggies, the perishables or the prepared foods, because that's the hook that gets folks into the grocery store. And we wanted to be a leading technology partner for our retailers to enable that part of the store because the center aisle would come with it. And that would be, you know, call it the anecdote, if you will, against Amazon. And and we really leaned into that. And, you know, it's not that they just believed us. A lot of it started with small pilots and helping demonstrate we can provide the right experience and we can bring incremental volume to their ecosystem. And so it, it was a it was a slow ramp, right? It doesn't look like the COVID curve, um, as I'm sure we've all seen. And that's that's where we that's where we really got our momentum. Got it, got it. And so let's talk about your job now. Now that Instacart is is much more ubiquitous, it's national, um, if not international, because I know you guys just had some uh, Canadian partnerships announced, right? Yep. What has your mandate this year been in terms of retail partnerships? What were you trying to do in terms of bring that business forward? Yeah, I'll start. I'll start with the foundation, which hasn't changed. You know, as as VP of retail here, my my goal and what I think about every day is how do we go deeper with our partners to help grow their business. And so, if you take that that lens or that frame, this year focused on a, what I would say a few themes. Um, first, we announced in the spring our connected store technology. This is an area that maybe seems a bit counterintuitive for folks that are looking at Instacart outside in to say you're a delivery program, you're a delivery platform for these retailers. Well, it goes back to the philosophy that we want to help our retailers enable the digital ecosystem and that digital relationship with their consumer, regardless of how they shop, whether that's delivery, pickup, in-store. And so we've spent a lot of time, whether it's the caper cart technology that we acquired about a year ago, smart pricing, electronic shelf tags, we're really leaning into that connected store uh, component. The other piece, and you touched on it, we've spent a long time in Canada. We've actually been there since 2018. But this past year was all about how do we continue to invest and reinvest in the Canadian market? And so we've we've actually launched um, 20 new brands this year alone in Canada. We've grown our footprint from a store count perspective by about 60%. And we continue to want to lean in because we believe Canada is just like the United States, very ripe for grocery delivery and a market that we believe can be immensely successful for our retail partners. And then I would say, sorry, one other thing I would just lean in on is, um, and, and you'll hear this a bit too when I look at 23, affordability. You know, I don't think any of us are immune to the inflationary pressures that have been going on, you know, decades long inflation numbers that we haven't seen forever. Um, we want to make sure our partners are set up for success, whether that's loyalty program integrations, figuring out how we launch SNAP EBT with our retail partners to ensure we are as cost effective as we can be, figuring out the right way for the customer to shop. I mentioned delivery versus pickup, right? Those are just some of the things that we're thinking about to drive that affordability for our, our uh, retail partners. I want to hit on all of that, but can you talk a little bit more about the the in-store part? Because I find that personally very, very fascinating. And so you gave a few examples. How long have those been in the works? And who who are who would you say 
are the partners that most usually opt to use them? Are they the mom and pop stores? Is the regional grocers? Who are you seeing glom onto those types of programs? Yeah, yeah, great question. So maybe I'll start with re-envisioning the in-store shopping experience. So when we acquired Caper Carts, that's a technology that's been in the works for a decade at this point. It's an AI-powered smart shopping cart. So imagine a world where you just walk into the grocery store, you use your login with the retailer, and all of a sudden the lists and the recipes that you had been looking at all week populate on the screen. And not only that, it's going to help you navigate the store. So as you find the items, you just drop them in the cart, automatically scans them and adds them to your checkout total. And if you can't find something, push a button on the cart and our electronic shelf tags will actually light up in the aisle and blink for you so that you can go find it. And so a lot of it comes to how do we inspire and reimagine that physical grocery shop in a digital way? Because we've been a a delivery company, but we want to bring some of that magic to our retailer stores. Um, When when we have a number of, of categories like that, but when you think about what that means for a grocer, it's immediately folks jump to, oh, that sounds like it's going to be expensive. But again, going back to our core principle on how we establish our partners, we want to be a solution for retailers of all sizes. And so when you actually look at some of the early adopters of CaperCart as an example, sure, we have some big brands using it. We also have some very small brands and, and localized retailers using it as well, because the beauty of the cart is it's affordable and it can be customized by Instacart for whatever the retailer needs it for. And so it's really a core value for us to ensure we are that technology partner for retailers of all sizes. You mentioned the affordability aspect of things, and this brought me to one of the bigger questions that I wanted to ask, which is on a thematic level, how what, how would you say the conversation and the business around grocery delivery changed last year? Because I feel like 2020, 2021 was a very, you know, you mentioned the COVID spike, everyone was online. 2022 was a little bit different for myriad reasons. And so just as someone who's been, you know, in, you know, in the front seat of this business, what was the tenor shift and how, how do you describe it now? It's a bit of a roller coaster, right? So we start 22 with Omicron, which was a natural surge for something like a delivery program. And then all of a sudden you start to see things like inflation creep in and, and start to hit numbers that we haven't seen in quite some time. And so I think the unfortunate reality that we're in today is Customers have a weekly budget that they use for their grocery shopping. And that we haven't really seen change. So let's just say it's $100 for for easy math. The issue is item prices are all way up. So while they might still be spending that same $100, they're coming home with fewer items, which means they need that money to stretch further. And so as you think about what we've really leaned into this year to help do what we can to to lessen the burden, so to speak, I, I touched on SNAP EBT we were essentially first from a, a national delivery program to offer this at scale. Any of our partners can now offer SNAP and EBT acceptance via our platform to ensure anyone who needs grocery shopping delivered to their home can have access to it. We've even created a, a we have Instacart Plus, that's like our membership program. We've even, even con, uh, created and just announced this week a version of that for our SNAP EBT customers where it's actually half price versus the normal membership. Because again, our goal is we want to power grocery transactions across the country, but we want to do it in a way that makes it accessible to everyone in the country as well. And so you'll see us continue to make those concerted investments, even as we look to 23, because unfortunately, I don't think the inflation issue is going away and we might be on the brink of a recession. You know, time will tell on that piece. 
let's go into what are the things that you're thinking about this year. So strategically in your role, what are you banking on and what are your your major tent poles that you're putting in the ground to to bring forward the business? Yeah, we've we've kind of beaten the affordability piece a bit, but I'll, I'll mention it one more time because I I do believe retailers need to stay very focused on how they continue to bring their costs down and prices down for customers in ways that are sustainable. Of course, everyone is experiencing these higher costs, but the retailers that are able to crack this affordability component and really show value to their customers, and that can be in a variety of ways. That doesn't just mean lower prices. It could be things like personalized offers or or more entrenched loyalty programs, or quite frankly, offering the value of get your groceries how you want them. There are customers out there that want it delivered and don't need it in an hour. Sure, so get it later today and pay a lower fee. And so there's a variety of ways our our retailers will lean in there. But I do believe affordability will stay top of mind for for the remainder of 23 as we navigate the uncertain time. I think technology is going to continue to play a big role. That connected store journey that I mentioned earlier Sure, it sounds great to reimagine that grocery shop in this futuristic way, but not only will that make grocery shopping more inspirational and more fun, there's ways to make that then more efficient, right? Customers find things faster. They find it without needing help of a store associate, and so that person can focus on other roles within the within the four walls of the grocery store. And so there's just a lot of ways that we believe technology can not only make the customer experience better, but can enable a lot of those efficiencies um, for, again, retailers of all sizes that work with us. And then the last piece I would touch on is just, and I, and I actually tell my team this all the time, embrace the uncertainty, embrace the change. No one can fully predict what's going to happen. But what I can say is 23 is probably going to be more volatile than 22. And we have to be agile and nimble in partnership with our retailers to ensure we can adapt with them and bring, whether it's a product innovation, a new technology, or a new experience altogether to their customer to allow them to win come the next 12 to 18 months. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Let's talk about the affordability part, which I know we've talked about a little bit, but I wanted to get into that specifically with new partners that you work with, because when you have the bigger players, you know, most of those grocery businesses are doing fine. But on the smaller level, the mom pop shops, a lot of them are more uh, they're more they're they're having more difficult financials, specifically with with uh, inflation, all that stuff. And so how are you talking with them in terms of making it so that they're still able to reach some kind of a profit while also you know, being able to use a service that that costs a little bit more like Instacart. What are, what are you hearing from them? Yeah, I, I love the spirit of the question because I've always said, even going back to my early days at Instacart, and, and you can talk to any retailer I've worked with, this will only work if we have a sustainable business and our retailers have a sustainable business. And so when you enter a world where margins are already slim in grocery, prices are higher than they've ever been, and competition, quite frankly, is probably higher than it's ever been. When we sit down with our retail, our smaller and mid-sized retail partners, we again focus on how can we differentiate with them? That is everything from how do we bring their brand to life on the platform? How do we ensure they are getting the same access to all of the great technology that we offer? Quite frankly, that if they went and built it on their own or if they try to work and, and piecemeal it together would end up being a lot more expensive for them because we have the, the advantage of having scaled it across our platform. And helping them understand, um, figuring out that, again, that value equation of not just price, but what is it that their customer is looking for? 
Again, everyone thinks of Instacart as a delivery company. But when you look at the, the regional um, grocers that we work with, we've pushed very hard on pickup as another offering, right? That is a perfect play in the affordability world. Everyone loves the convenience of avoiding going in the store on a Saturday morning and finding everything. If I can place a button, click a button and have all of those orders prepared for me, not pay any fees for that service, show up to the retail and have it put in my car, that's actually pretty magical in and of itself. And so while, again, Instacart is always known for delivery, our pickup business has grown tremendously in 22 and will be another area of focus for our, our small and medium-sized grocers for that reason as well. Because the relationship with the customer is quite sticky. And if we can invest with our partners in those affordability metrics, we do believe those customers will stick with those retailers over the long term as well, which just helps drive that successful equation. Can you talk a little bit more about the stickiness? Because that's always a question that I had specifically with, you know, grocery delivery. I feel like we're at a new moment now. A couple of years ago, you know, shoppers were looking at whichever service was giving them a rebate at this time. Um, and uh, and now I think, you know, prices have gone up a little bit more and maybe there's a little bit more loyalty. So how how are you approaching stickiness and what are you seeing? Our Our goal is to ensure we have the best product and service from an e-commerce standpoint and enable the customer to choose who they want to shop from on the marketplace. And what we end up seeing there is if you come on and you know a certain retailer in your area, that's generally, and if that's where you shop, you know, on your physical uh, shops as well, that's generally who you're going to choose. And you're going to stick with them 60, 70, 80% of the time. But the beauty of the marketplace is we have a variety of use cases that we can now offer, right? So you're still getting your groceries from that core retailer you've always loved, just now through a delivery mechanism. However, if you need alcohol delivered, pet supplies, beauty, I mean, you name the, the category, we are now in it. And so we're seeing a lot of supplemental trips throughout the month, whether it be like the bulk fill up, if you will, from wholesale or filling another non-grocery need altogether. We're seeing that engagement on our platform that way, but we don't see a lot of, oh, I'm just going to hop around grocers, right? Typically who they choose, they've chosen them for a reason. They know the brand, they know the quality, they know the value, whatever it is in that equation. And they're typically pretty loyal with the exception of those other use case shops. Can you actually go a little bit more? Because I wanted to bring this up. I feel like for a lot of um, grocery delivery, there's been this diversification away into non-grocery. And so how are you approaching that in terms of the core customer and where you're trying to expand into? Yeah, it's great. This this journey started for us right as COVID broke. Um, we had made the decision to start to go in other categories. I think two weeks later, COVID hit. And I said, <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Um, yeah. And so the, the timing was a little bit serendipitous. But our, our view was, okay, we've... We, always wanted to focus on grocery first. It's our core business. And we believe it to be the hardest to offer same-day delivery on. Picking a $100 grocery order and finding all of the right fresh items and getting it delivered to the customer in a quality way, that's not easy. So we got really good at that over our first eight to nine years. And then we said, okay, we know we have um, a, a great following and we know she is shopping from places outside of grocery. And so we started to think, okay, when we look at our, our customer base, who are the brands that they engage with outside of Instacart today? And how do we help bring those brands on our platform and provide that same magical experience that we do in grocery in other areas as well? So whether it be Sephora, I mentioned, you know, we have Petco and other pet players on our retail platform. We cover um, home, we cover uh, home improvement, which is brand new for us this year, which has been a massive success. And, and the list goes on. And the idea is, again, if something happens in your house and you need something now, 
We want Instacart to be in your frame of reference for why you're going to get same-day delivery with our retail partners, as opposed to going to Amazon, which is, quite frankly, a lot of the habitual things that were brought up during the COVID era. And so how are you choosing which categories to expand into? Is it through data you have from the app? Is it, you know, no, what, are you, what are you looking for? And how are you thinking about those category expansions for 2023? Yeah, our view is let our customer help us decide, right? We, we know our, our the folks that are loyal to Instacart, and we spend a lot of time listening and soliciting feedback from them on what do they want to see, whether it's improvements in our service or, or ancillary categories that we're not in today. And so when you look into 23, our focus is going to be continuing on where can we help create this seamless omni-channel experience for retailers that we don't work with today when it comes to new partnerships. And the reality is we cover, you know, I think it's now north of 80%, if not 90% of offline grocery TAM. When you look at the other core categories like beauty, electronics, et cetera, we have, we cover most of the offline share there too. So what we'll probably start to dabble in is kind of that Venn diagram of home beauty and apparel. Like that is a very hard category to do well um, from an e-commerce standpoint. And so we'll probably pilot some things in, in, in those categories. I don't know if we'll go big yet. Um, we'll have to see how the how the data comes in as we launch some of our recent partnerships um, that, that just came through in Q4 and, and really understand how our customer is engaging with the service. Got it. Let's talk about the technology side of things. We talked about how 2022 went with the tech side with this, the smart cart and all that. What are, A, what is the demand that you're seeing from groceries in terms of the in-store tech that they want? And what are what are you trying to develop or deploy in the year to come? Yeah, so we are going to continue to double down on that connected store tech. I don't think you'll see a lot of new announcements, <clears throat> excuse me, in the first half as far as that tech. Because as I mentioned, if you when we started on that connected tech journey, we put it through the lens of how do we re-envision the whole shop, right? So you have the cart that is kind of the foundation of a grocery shop. You have the electronic shelf tags that not only allow you to help find the item, but imagine a world where a retailer installs these electronic shelf tags and now all pricing updates can be happened by the click of a button as opposed to somebody having to go through and change every single tag um, throughout the store. On top of that, plop a QR code on there so that customers can understand does it meet their dietary restrictions? What could they possibly do with that product? All of those good things that can come to life with the beauty of a, of a smartphone. And funnel all of these insights back to our retailers. That, that's another core principle of ours is this isn't about how does Instacart get, get better and smarter. This is about how does Instacart and our retail partners get smarter and better together so that they can stay on top of trends and how, sh how customers are shopping their stores. And so you'll see us continue to double down there. The the initial, I would say, reaction and interest in our connected store technology has been off the charts. Uh, we unveiled a lot of it back in September at a conference in Las Vegas, and I was overwhelmed by how often retailers were not just coming by our, our, our little store setup, but they would go then find their colleagues and bring them back. And the, the, the groups would just get larger because there isn't really anybody out there that wants to really lean in on grocery technology like Instacart. And if we can create that omni-channel experience for our retail partners, we believe they'll be set up for success in the long term. So when I think about technology in 23, it's going to be a lot of that connected store technology and bringing the digital experience that we've all become a little bit more accustomed to in the last few years so that it seamlessly connects when you're in the physical location as well. 
you said earlier that do you think 2023 is going to be another roller coaster? I think you said something along those lines. What are you hearing in terms of, you know, fears or not? I don't know if fears is the right word, but trepidations that that your retail and grocery partners might have in the coming year. What, what, what are what are sort of the big ones? Well, I think the reality is I don't think any of us know if inflation has actually peaked. I know there's some indicators that might say we're getting close. But at the end of the day, grocery costs are not coming down anytime soon. And so we are still going to be in a world in 23 where your grocery bill is higher than it's ever been. Then you layer on the fact that we may be entering a recession. And if that ball were to drop, all of a sudden you have things like the labor market going into turmoil where we've had years of increasing labor costs. And now all of a sudden, if that falls out, there's going to be a lot of uncertainty in folks' lives on how much they can spend on groceries. What are they going to be doing for work? And, and we need to figure out a way to ensure our retailers are set up for that uncertainty and be as competitive as possible. And so as we look to 23, I think we just have to be willing and able and ready for that uncertainty. Because nobody, if anyone, if you know someone that can predict whether a recession is going to hit, I would love to talk with them. Um, because that is something I think we're all trying to play a little bit of a guessing game on. And, you know, inflation, even if it peaks, I Doubt we'll see deflation, maybe in some core categories. But overall, once the price goes up, it never really comes all the way back down. What are you thinking about in terms of the year to come with retail partnerships? Are you like, you know, are you think, is it about the category expansion you mentioned earlier? We, we talk a little bit about Canada is a lot of it about Canada or these international expansions. What are you thinking in terms of where the business goes from here from your perspective? Yeah, um, Canada will certainly be a component of it. Um, we, we believe we've made tremendous progress in the, in the Canadian market, but we still have work to do there, both with our existing partnerships. You know, just this week, we announced a number of expansions with one of our core partners up there. Um, but you'll see more of that. How do we go deeper with our existing partners? And how do we bring new partners onto the platform who um, are ready to, to kind of get on the journey with us, if you will? When you look at the states, it's going to be a lot more of the deeper side of it. I, I mentioned we cover a good chunk of the offline share. I think when you look at where we refer to selection as, you know, where are we missing categories or retailers that our, our consumers might be looking for? The areas you'll see us go a bit deeper on are those small and medium sized grocers across the U.S., right? There's loved brands all over the place that we want to ensure we can help power their digital experience. I think there's also an element of other categories that we call grocery plus, right? It's alcohol, drug and convenience, it's multicultural, right? I mean, imagine if you wanted to cook something tonight, you know, make sushi. Well, we want to make sure you can still come to Instacart and find what you need to make sushi one night and then, you know, cook a pizza the next night and everywhere in between. And, and that's the world we're trying to create. And so I don't think you'll see super large partnerships announced in the coming months simply because we work with, with most of the large brands across, across North America. But we do want to make sure we continue to broaden that selection to meet our, our customers' need every day. We're just about running out of time, but I wanted to ask you one final, yeah. very big forward-looking question, which was just, you know, you mentioned how everything shifted in 22 compared to 21 and 20. What do you think the major thematic shift for the coming year will be, or will it just be a continuation of what we experienced the last 12 yeah. months? I, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, 2020, especially spring of 2020, will, I think, forever be the craziest time of my career, just seeing how fast things were changing. As we looked at 22, we had a number of surges, right? And so we're now just lapsing Omicron. And so I think what you'll see in 23 is we have a new resting heartbeat. 
we've had all of these, you know, these what I'll call gains in the sense of e-commerce penetration in the grocery space ramp since COVID hit that haven't gone back. And so that new resting heartbeat is how we all need to be acting in this industry. And so you'll see probably 23 from a growth perspective look more like pre-pandemic years, right? Which is okay. And the fact is we have that new resting heartbeat. We have the technology for our partners of all sizes to be able to enable that great digital experience. And the reality is now let's go execute together. And if we drive home a phenomenal customer experience, those retailers will win because they've made investments in technology that others might have chosen not to. And and that's really going to be our continued focus into the new year. Well, Ryan, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining. Yeah. And thank you again for having me. This has been great. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and head to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review and a rating. See you next week. 